Thank you so much for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast show. I am your host, Sharon Feckety, and you are here to listen to others talk about the business of medicine. Don't forget to subscribe, share it with somebody else that is in the business of medicine so we can all learn together. Thank you for being here and enjoy the show. Wappen. <laughs> hey Sharon, Wappen. Okay. You How did do you it like good. That? You, yeah, you did the Irish girl version of it, but that was pretty close. <laughs> that was close. Well, then Namana Nahar Agazan Vic Agazan Spirit Nav. Why don't you say that? <laughs> I give up. I, yeah, you you win. I concede. I concede. You win. You win. Well, here's the trick, Doc, before we get started. I'm a little dangerous with every language. I know one thing, like I know je ne sais pas, right? And then I yo tomo panqueque, café con leche, yo carne, desayuno todos los días, but that's all I can say. <laughs> you know, so, you just wap in is all now I can say. Well, I mean, shucks. The, from the other things you said, you can do more than wap in because you said a lot of where I heard, I heard milk, something yes. with milk. Yes. I heard, I don't know. Yes. But, Wapen is just hello in my language, so we can, we can give you more. Okay, maybe, you know, like, because I don't want to be made fun of when I say Wapen. Like, say how I'm supposed to say it. Wapen. Wapen. That's good. That's good. Okay. But you, you got to move your head in your hand when you say Wapen. Yeah. Wapen. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Okay, good. Yeah. So, like, I have a Latin tribe, right? These girls have allowed me into their tribe because I can say that yo tomo panqueque. I learned that as a freshman in high school. Yo tomo panqueque. What is that? It's just I have, you know, pancakes and coffee with milk and sugar every day for breakfast. Now I don't, but that's all I can say in Spanish. <laughs> but I can trick sounds, people, you know? It sounds cool. It sounds cool. Thank you. And then that other thing was just me blessing myself in Gaelic. <laughs> I don't know how to say anything else. <laughs> and je ne sais pas is all I know how to say in French. Now, good. you speak other languages, I'm going to assume. No, don't assume that at all. I did, yeah. I did, I did high school French. I got, <laughs> I got, a, I got a, a, the highest grade in AP French. And then when I got into Emory for college, because I'd done so well in AP French, they were going to put me like in French 6,000. And I'm like, uh-uh, abort. I'm out. I'll, I'm going to start over with Italian 101 instead. I was pretty mad. I didn't want to have a language headache. So oh I've done God. I've done very little French since. But um, where I'm from, it, it was a British colony. So we speak either the Queen's English or our Creole dialect of it. So mm-hmm. um, Wapen being a, one of the Creole dialects, but uh, but it's just British English, you know. We spell color with a U and uh, advertisement, you know, and the 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 caribbean not right. the caribbean it's, it's it's all the the emphasis on the other syllable mm, i love it love it love it love it love it love it i love it um i listen you just because you can't speak other languages um you you know have some kind of street cred because this bio of yours is ridiculous so let me do that first okay let's be like legit you're on the Dr. Whisperer show. You know, uh, it's Dr. Zawade Marshall. How'd I do? Bad. What? Zawade. Zawade. <laughs> All right. How do you say my last name? Piketty. 
wrong. <laughs> Even if I were right, you would tell me I'm wrong. There's no way you're going to let me be right. right. No, you're wrong. But it's feckety. Anyway, nobody oh, can say it, which feckety. I'm sure nobody can say yours feckety. either. Feckety. Feckety. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It just doesn't rhyme with anything, which is the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, so like, everybody it's, like a, can... it's almost like a West African uh, looking name. But if it was West African, it would say fekete. Yeah, it would sound cooler, but it's Hungarian, so it sounds like feckety. Feckety. <laughs> yeah. Well, back to you. So Dr. Marshall, which I'm quite sure that your patients have decided to, to stick to that pronunciation, which seems a little bit easier, uh, went to Emory and Harvard. <laughs> like, what? That's the, I feel like I want to stop there, but no, he's a double board certified anesthesiologist. Now, it took me a good six months in my 20s to say anesthesiologist and um, otolaryngologist. Those were the two that I struggled with the most. <laughs> otolaryngologist is harder than anesthesiologist, I think. But I listen, some of us still struggle with it, too. It's the, the way the tongue has to work to say all those syllables. It's not easy. It's not easy. So that's why I stick to just saying a few things that might trick people into thinking that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's my game. It's been effective. It's worked yeah. for 26 years in the medical industry. I can say radiculopathy. There you go. There you go. Don't I sound like I know what I'm talking about now? You, you sure do. You <laughs> sure do. Instead of sadica. Yeah. You, you definitely sound like, like a pro. Yeah. Well, I have watched ER. So um, let's talk about you because you not only are this amazing physician, like, cause it's not easy, everybody, not that I would know, cause I'm not an anesthesiologist, but um, when you decide that you're going to, I don't know, start your career path in 2006 and then get a joint degree get an MBA, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, you, you, you make me feel like I probably, I should do something with my life, you know? No, no. I think, no, for, I, I, I think that, that hearing you talk about my bio makes me realize kind of like what it seems like, but at the time it was all fun. It was fun and games for me. Then mm. I was in, I was in the middle of medical school and the 2008 elections were kind of brewing mm -hmm. and it was all this talk about the affordable care act about mm -hmm. single payer health care um uh, uh our broken health care system and the costs are rising astronomically and patient care was was faltering and it, i was curious about understanding medical economics mm -hmm. uh through the lens of of industry of business um, because then you know, there's a, there's someone said this before I did, but it's like, if you're not, if you're not at the table and you're in the menu, yeah. uh, and I wanted to kind of get more insight into how the, the, the suits viewed providers and how they mm -hmm. viewed the health system. So, uh, it was not very hard for me to tell the medical school, I want to take a sabbatical from medicine, uh, to do the MBA at Emory. Um, I took the GMAT and I tested well enough to get in and get a scholarship. And then uh, I had probably was the most transformative year of education in all of the 15 years of school that I've had. That really? that year of business school was, it was, it was completely different. Like it was, as I'm saying, it was fun. The first thing is, it was the first time up until that time in my life 
where I was treated like a customer in huh. education. Interesting. I, I was spending tens of thousands of dollars per year as an Emory college student and then as an Emory medical student. Okay. And they told you where to go, what to do, what classes you can't get into. If you can't get into it, too bad. Uh, and in business school, it's like, you're the customer. What do you want to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Who do you want to meet? Where do you want to intern? What experiences do you want to have? Because they knew that ultimately the value of that degree was contingent upon my satisfaction with it when I left. And mm-hmm. the network that, that I was a part of afterwards that I would give back to it if I felt good about it. So you didn't have the same kind of paternalistic pedagogical method. It was mm-hmm. more driven by my interests. And so I had the most fabulous time with my peers who were bankers out of you know white shoe banking firms and uh, real estate entrepreneurs. And they all thought that I was an interesting person because I, I was the only doctor in the right. cohort. And so everyone asked me about everything that had to do with, with medicine. Um, but then I got to ask them everything about the other stuff in life that doctors are rarely ever exposed to. Mm. And so I thought that the, the, my learning in that year did not happen in the classroom. It happened over beers. Yeah. And that's what a good MBA program does. It puts you together with people. So you learn how to network mm-hmm. and not be awkward and in, in asking stupid questions and, and getting like a sense of, of the, the human condition from the, from the, the lens of, of a professional who is really, really good at their nuanced business thing. Mm-hmm. And they're happy to talk about it as an interested party who's just completely green in all things business. So it was, it was fantastic. So what made you want to go to business school? Like, what was it? What, what pulled you in that direction? I mean, I know the election year and, and all that, but did you see yourself going in a different direction and not, you know, staying on the path to being a physician? Did you see yourself just being like business guy? Yeah, no. So I always knew I was going to do clinical medicine, uh, but I had I had the aspiration to own my own practice mm-hmm. and to kind of make my mark. Um, outside. Why? Why? So I like the autonomy of it. Okay. I uh, I like the independence. I think that you know, as an immigrant uh, here, you kind of always worry that the other shoe is going to drop at some point in time, and someone's going to tell you you can't do the thing. Right. I'm hoping you can always do. Uh, and and gaining control of my faith, I think, was was always very important to me. And the and in my head, the only way to do that is to have the independence and autonomy of of my career. And 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 I needed to be conversant in the language of commerce to do mm-hmm. that. So I was an econ major in college. So I've always kind of had I enjoyed reading, you know, the Economist and the Wall Street Journal. Be, more than I liked reading the New England Journal of Medicine. Like I, right. I, I read the, the Journal of Medicine because I, I was supposed to. You had to. Whereas yeah. I found the articles in The Economist incredibly interesting. Mm. So I had, I had that interest uh, uh, from the very beginning. And then once the opportunity arose to me to, to, me to be able to, to, to do the actual B-school thing, uh, mm. it, felt, it felt natural and it felt like it was going to be a, worth, a worthwhile spend of 12 months of my life. Uh, and then... When I came back to medicine and I applied for residency, I think um, you said I went to Harvard for residency. I can I can honestly tell you that my calling card for the elite residency programs was because I had an MBA. Hmm. If you think about it, I'm interviewing with program directors and department chairmen. Mm-hmm. They interview and select the residents. 
Right. Well, their lives are mud- are mud- muddled in spreadsheets yeah. and PL statements and efficiency studies. And so in the interview, as I'm talking about my business kind of projects, mm-hmm. I can see them sit up and like realize, wait, this kid could probably help me yeah. uh, if he came here. And so I was recruited by by a couple of the elite programs and picked Harvard because uh, I I thought that the um the recruiting team there like understood me in a mm. way that felt like they were going beyond the resume and they mm-hmm. cared about Swati the person mm. and and even now um of my like alumni network they've been the most supportive folks for my non medical you know, businesses like my doc to doc lending is wildly supported and invested in by the Harvard doctor network. Um, mm. uh, because they got the joke, you know, they, they, they always knew who I was and, 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 and knew, um, that, um, that, uh, that, that there was something different about my career arc that was not just going to be in the operating room. That's great. You know, they do, um, uh, not that I've ever attended Harvard, but uh, I do have an office in a well building and um, Harvard has a, a big interest in well spaces and the built environment. And so right before the pandemic, Harvard was coming in to, you know, kind of help us as entrepreneurs in this space, connect the dots with the well building standard, have more conversations about sustainability incorporate how entrepreneurship, business, sustainability, wellness, uh, you know, how it all kind of collides. Yep. And you really don't get that, that excitement, dare I say, you know, me working in the medical industry for 25 years, working with doctors, I always have gotten it, you know, to this day, I've never belonged or or marketed myself at like, the American Medical Association. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those places, you know, or sure. these communities um, locally, because I think that you do is such a great point that you're making when it comes to business. You really do have to surround yourself with with different thinkers, because that's where some of the greatest ideas come from. And then you have this opportunity to, you know, uh, pitch something to somebody, and and having that network and not being socially awkward, like some of maybe the doctors might be that I know. I don't know. Maybe some of them, one or two or 20 or 900. You got to, you got to forgive us because we, I do. we spend our youth in libraries. We, we were not, we were not at the bars. We didn't get, we didn't get the memo. We didn't, we didn't get the invitations to, uh, to yeah. go to the fun parties. We were in the library at the time. Well, can I tell you a quick story? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sitting at an event. And the mayor of Tampa, and I'm brand new in business 10 years ago. She says to me, so what do you do? I said, so I'm, I'm the doctor whisperer. Hmm. The doctor whisperer, that's, that's an interesting name. So tell me about that. So I tell her, you know, I help doctors navigate through business, basically. And she goes, well, that, that is interesting because, you know, these doctors, like they have their heads in the books. They're not, this, and this is what she said, okay? I'm going to just say what exactly what she said. Uh-oh. She said, yeah, no. She's like, you know, they're not getting laid. She goes, they're, they're out there like 
they're studying. And so they don't have these social skills. They're not partying. They're like in the books. They're not going to the bars. Like you said, they're having a great time. And, you know, there's a little awkwardness. So then they get this bad rap sometimes because they don't have the greatest bedside manner. So we just had this like wonderful long conversation, kind of like about the psychology of a physician and how you guys are, you guys are built to help people. Yeah. People say to me, Sharon, they're so bad at business. I'm like, well, listen, like, do you want the guy that's going to like do your heart surgery to be great at the P and L? Is that what you want? (laughs) Cause that's not what I want. Yeah. 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 No, I think, I think there's a lot of truth to it. There's also a lot of fallacy to that too. Um, there, there is a lot of sex in medical school and in residency. Um, and if you think that about it's not what I thought you were going to say. And, yeah, and, and look, sure. We can't go to the bars, but there's enough, <laughs> there's enough, you know, folks right there. Uh, <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> and, and, That's but, so funny considering all the affairs I've been a witness to. Sure. I mean, there's a reason why we have to do the, uh, as a part of board recertification, there is the uh, workplace sexual harassment and uh, uh, workplace appropriate uh, behavior modules that you got to complete. Um, yeah. But I, I do think there's this, there's this level of delayed gratification mm-hmm. that, that can infect many of us where mm-hmm. because we've been without for so long, at the moment we have some modicum of access to whatever it was that we were deprived of whether it's of, of resources money you know right. we buy large homes and, and fancy cars prematurely before we should you know yeah. um, there are many bit. of us that come out of training and think that the world owes us women or men uh and um and and it becomes a, an interesting kind of dichotomy of 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 resource versus appropriate behavior well yeah Yeah, this is great. I mean, I didn't think we were going to have this conversation, but man, I have had this conversation not on the show before, but I'm I'm happy to have it. Um, I do think that there is, I did continue that conversation with that mayor. And I said, you know, a lot of them, I'm not talking about you, a lot of physicians were, were kind of nerdy, you know, and they weren't like super cool. And then they become a physician and everybody is just, kissing their ass and saying yes to everything like they were never going to disagree they're they're going to that's and I find that it's difficult to witness that because I don't find that that helps physicians when it comes to business like we all need somebody that's going to tell us the truth sure and not tell us what we want to hear sure sure I'll tell you that I think I think there's again there's a lot of truth in that over the course of the probably the most recent decade or so, we've been more intentional about how we recruit physicians because mm. of that phenomenon, right? Like mm. the the doctors that are kind of poorly socialized, uh, that have been kind of rigid in their thinking mm. about medicine since infancy. Mm-hmm. They tend to fear a lot more um, burnout a lot more wellness needs because uh, socially they're, they're struggling with, with challenge because you're going to be challenged uh, in medicine um, uh, by a plethora of very tough circumstances. It's, you see death a lot, you have unexpected outcomes and, and then you've got patients or people that, and you're going to meet them at the worst time of their life Mm -hmm. Uh, and interacting with them in a way that's humane and compassionate, empathetic is important. 
And we've learned that there are certain like attributes of, of aspiring doctors that can help to predict folks that can be well-adjusted, grounded humans that can help people in a way that's, that's, um, that's, that's in line with societal expectations. Mm -hmm. So now there's a big movement to not recruit just hard scientists into medicine. We like musicians. We like linguists, as you said er Mm -hmm. earlier, folks that have had these different world experiences. We like folks that take time off between college and medical school to do something interesting and cool because it informs their perspective of people and the human condition in a way that makes them a lot more um, more engaging and they can explain a concept to a patient because as doctors, we're teachers, mm-hmm. right? And so you have to be able to educate the person in front of you in terms of what exactly is happening to get their buy-in to do what they need to do to improve their health, but also to make sure that they understand fully what you're telling them you're going to do for them. You know, every doctor listening or watching knows that your traditional insurance only goes so far. Your malpractice only goes so far. So there's real risks that can actually keep you up at night. You know that. I know that. I've watched you stressed out the next day from all of these insurance issues. Well, SRA 831B admin helps you mitigate these risks and lower your tax liability by putting money into a vehicle that is tax advantage to self-insure risks that fall out of your traditional property and casualty insurance. I would not have them as a sponsor if I did not believe 100% that they can actually help you. So to find out more information, please check out the website that is in the show notes. Contact them today. I promise you won't regret it. This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Dr. Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, focusing too much on challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. Yeah, we love what Dr. Doc is doing within our community. That is for sure. And we encourage you to visit their website at doctodoclending.com learn more about them today uh and 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 so it's i think so my guess would be that if you were to kind of look at the modern doctor compared to the 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 previous generations of doctors we throw instruments less we curse at our staff less we tend to know a little bit more about pop culture Mm, we can hold our our alcohol a little bit better you know Uh, and we should be better behaved amongst amongst our peers and and amongst our our subordinates and and make less trouble uh because it's also very frowned upon now in a way that it may not have been before oh yeah well you know those damn phones of ours will uh capture way more than uh that i grew up with you know i'm so grateful that they weren't around when i was 20 something years old or yeah um it, it is a different world and you're absolutely right. And I, I do love that there is a shift. I have been able to work with some really, really great physicians through the years. And a majority of them have been younger because I do feel like they, they've kind of seen how things are, you know, if we're still saying fax machine, 
there's an issue, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) and there's a lot of people that just won't stand for that anymore. I mean, my God, there's a new social app starting today called Thread. I don't know if you've heard of it yet, but it's like the new Twitter and it's on Instagram and, you know, it's, it's constantly changing in artificial intelligence and thank goodness, you know, physicians today are, are, are just learning more. I love the whole gap year thing. I think that it is so important that there's some fun kind of implemented in the life of a physician. Cause man, you, what you guys go through, and I feel like I have the great blessing of knowing what it's like inside and outside. Sure. You know, it's very easy when, you know, uh, I hear people say, Oh, I can't believe that guy doesn't take, um, Humana. Right. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, when you get reimbursed like 10 bucks, I don't know, maybe he's not going to be able to pay for that poor she just bought next to the boat in the new house, you know, but um, I do love. Maybe I he can't pay his staff, Sharon. Maybe he can't. Maybe he can't keep the lights on and not the portion the and the boat. Those those days are behind us. The days of of the doctors with multiple homes and I I'm I, I listen I I'm the co-founder of a company and I see doctors that have a ton of financial distress oh. uh, and there's no portion in the future because they've spent north of 300k in the an educational debt. They've got a FICO score that's subprime, not because of bad behavior, but because of the the drag that that the cost of medical education takes on your personal finances. And then uh, there's a whole new kind of conundrum of increasing medical school class sizes with the same number of residency spots. Mm -hmm. So you could have spent all that money to go to med school and then when you're done, when you graduate, there's nowhere for you to complete your training and you're stuck in limbo right. for, for, for years. And so there, we're not victims. I don't want to paint that picture. Um, but but there's a, I think there's a lot more duress that we're under beyond just the, the toll that the medical journey takes. There's, there's, there's this financial um, uh, piece as well that, that, that stifles many of us. So let's, let's talk about Dr. Doc, because, you know, um, Dr. Doc is a, a sponsor of ours. I'm very proud to talk about Dr. Doc. I have texted the website to many doctors that I know. Um, you. You're welcome uh, about you because I have been witness to it too many times and, and a lot of it. And the reason why I really love what you've created, and I want you to give the audience some more information much more eloquently than I will, but I have been there when the physician wants to open the new space and, you know, he's gone to this bank and that bank. And then we get the bank that says that they are, you know, they, they work with doctors only and they have special plans, but there's so much looked at, right. And it's, a lot of docs need that personal loan for their, their personal life. You know, um, I have just seen horrific, horrific things happen. Yeah. And, um, and, and your services is incredible. So why don't you tell the audience about your why before you create, you talk about Dr. Doc and what it actually is. Why did you decide to create this company? Sure. So uh, it was born out of my personal experience. I had just matched into Harvard from Emory and needed to go from Atlanta to Boston, from a low cost of living city to one of the highest rental markets in the country. Yeah, really? Um, 
and you know, I had north of 200k in student loan debt. I had a FICO score that was sub 700, and my income was 54,000 bucks a year. I couldn't afford first last month's rent broker fee, and my family couldn't afford to give it to me either. And that's the situation of about a, about a, a quarter of all graduating medical students. Mm-hmm. And when I applied to the banks to borrow money for that relocation, it's easy to get a student loan. Yeah. Uh, we, they know that well. But to, to give me an unsecured, an uncollateralized personal loan, I look like a high-risk borrower in paper. And mm-hmm. so I was either denied or I was given a credit card interest rate. And mm-hmm. it felt unfair because I, I'd done nothing in my financial history to, to, to warrant that price mm-hmm. for access to capital. So doc-to-doc looks at physicians differently. We're doctors lending to doctors. We're invested in by doctors. And so we do care how many years you've got left in practice, in in training before practice. We do care what your specialty is. We do care how much free cash you have after you pay your bills every month. And those, those factors help us to underwrite more thoughtfully and to get our borrowers access to capital at a much more equitable rate so to speak, with terms that are friendly, no prepayment penalty. So when you begin to moonlight or you get your first gig, you can pay us off and we don't charge you any fees for the interest that we lose. If your credit profile improves while you're in our portfolio, you can refinance to a lower rate product in seat within our program at the same time. We give auto pay discounts. We have a physician member engagement team that helps to have the conversation around the other vertical financial products that we'll need. Like we, like, like if you look at me and many of our doctors are like me in the sense of we borrow student loan uh, funds, mm-hmm. we'll borrow personally for transition or for some life event. We'll also need to borrow for either a practice startup loan or mm-hmm. a partner buy-in loan. We'll need to get disability insurance, term life insurance, whole life insurance for some, mm-hmm. annuities, investment planners, accountants, and Within our community of investors and board members and our engagement team, we've seen all sides of this, of this coin. And we can give our members the advice and guidance to, to vendors and partners that will treat them well. Uh, and now we're at a point where folks compete for the business of our community. And so we're able to kind of help them navigate getting the best terms possible for their, for their, their lending needs beyond our products as well. So you underwrite with empathy. We underwrite with, I love that. Uh, you, you, I can tell you, you're a slogan lady. That's great. And I'll, I'll steal it. Or maybe you said it before and I just regurgitated it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. It, and empathy is all over what you guys do. And that's why I feel really comfortable telling my doctors about you guys, because I I've witnessed what they've gone through and I, I realize how, difficult it can be. And especially when they're younger and they're having families. I mean, you're 40 years old, just celebrated, had a good old time yes. in Jamaica, you know, and you, you got to have some kind of a freedom to, to not feel so strapped and, and, and do what you love and what you were born to do, which is to treat patients. So I have two questions before I let you go. Number one, are your parents or were your parents entrepreneurs? Like, where did this entrepreneurial bug come from? Yeah, that's that's a good one. Yes, both of them are, are self-employed. Ah. Um, my uh, my dad is a chartered surveyor, uh, works with architects. So he puts together the quantitatives around construction projects. 
Okay. Uh, so I did a lot of the, the schools and the bridges in Guyana uh, when they were being built. Mm. And my mom, uh, it was a logger. Uh, she had a, 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 a timber company that exported exotic timbers out of Guyana. And so, cool. um, so yeah, so she was uh, a full-fledged entrepreneur that I saw her. She had truckers, these, you know, gnarly men that would that she'd have to manage and tell what to do and, and in, in real Caribbean woman style would yell and point her finger and use her hands and go here, <laughs> don't do that, don't do this. Um so so I it, it always it it was always kind of ingrained in me that 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 entrepreneurship and being self-employed was was a path to to some level of freedom. Um mm. and uh and I use medicine to get there. I love that. Okay, because I knew it came from somewhere. Fantastic. And um, what does what does a day look like for you today? Yeah. You're you're seeing patients today. Tell me what your day looks like. Yeah, so um, I start my day at about five thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I try to get a run in or some kind of gym time uh, mm-hmm. for an hour. Now, uh, I, now I have to stop you already. So, do you find yourself doing that more for your physical health or your mental health or both? It's both. It's Good. it's it's absolutely both. Right. Um, in the morning, you know, I, I I wrestled for for years, and when do I find time for me? Yeah, and you just can't in the middle of the day or the end of the day because, like, my I don't control my calendar well enough right. to be able to end my work day at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you end up having you know this creep of more and more things getting into seven, eight, nine, ten p.m. at night. Right. So the mornings I can like I am. It's just me. It's just me and my thoughts. Uh, I'm able to kind of be reflective. Um, I'm able to kind of, uh, to get, get a workout in and, you know, maintain a good, good cardiac and, uh, and, and physical health. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I do some writing and emailing and thinking in the morning before I officially get into the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then I, I kind of plan my day. So I do, I do a weekend prep for my week. Nice. And then in the mornings, I'm kind of like recapping what I need to accomplish in that day because I'm, I'm stretched. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, uh, depending on the day, like today's Thursday, I have in the OR, um, from, uh, from nine 30 this morning until right before this interview until mm-hmm. three o'clock. Uh, but, um, I've I had three slots of hour long meetings, um, with, uh, with direct reports of mine at for doc to doc, mm-hmm. um, uh, this evening, I'll be done relatively early at work. I'll be done after this this, this call, uh, and um, I will have a dinner meeting uh, with an investor group, hmm. and, then, uh, and then I'm home probably at about nine thirty this evening. And you so have children. I have yeah, I have I have two kids. A wife and two kids. Yep, a wife and two kids, six and seven. Wow. Um, but th- today's an unusually busy day because I was I was gone for the last five. Uh, yeah. Uh, to celebrate my birthday. Uh, tomorrow is a, is a, it's a half day and tomorrow is a dot to dot day, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, um, that I do, I have meetings, one-on-ones, team check-ins, and then we begin to plan for next week, mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a, as an executive team for dot to dot. Um, Mondays tend to be a big meeting, meeting focused day for dot to dot as well. So my clinical days are usually Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, in okay. the practice. And now I've got enough, uh, team in the practice that can help me, um, create bandwidth. So and how many employees do you have? 27 in the practice. Uh, Dr. Doc has uh, 13 full-timers and then another uh, six, six contractors. 
Okay. Is there a woman around there somewhere helping you all out? Yeah, a lot of women. Actually, more women than men. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've got a, we've got a, like the, the kind of the, the motor, the, 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 the facilitator of the group, Rachel, mm-hmm. is uh, part of our co-founding team, and she's right. been the engine for a lot of our, uh, a lot of our organizational success. I love that. Great. Well, because we're very good at organizing things, you know. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I would like to bring you back. I would like to talk a little bit more about um, Doc to Doc because I think that more people need to understand um, what you're trying to do to to help them. And I really love the when we're talking about medicine, we're talking about business, whether people want to believe that or not. You know, that's why I call this show the business of medicine. Yeah, because I've had many doctors through the years say. I don't like to think of this as a business. I'm like, well, yeah. think again. <laughs> right. That's what it is, you know? So I think that more doctors hearing from, you know, doctors like yourself that have taken that real entrepreneurial role and 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 helped yourself with, with probably building a, a force of wonderful people around you. Can I can I ask one last question? What does your circle look like, Doc? Sure. It's um it's pretty diverse in this in in backgrounds and skill set. So I uh, my CFO, for instance, um, came from Bank of America Merrill. Mm. Built a career there for 30, 30 plus years as a managing partner uh, in their um, in their uh, syndication um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, division. Uh, my VP of, of of product came from uh, Synchrony Bank, and she worked at GE Capital. Mm. My VP of Ops came came from uh, uh, Capital One. Uh, and I think the key is to have people that are smarter than you around you, uh, pulling, pulling their oar. Yes. So you're all going in the same direction and they, and you can rest assured they're going to pull oars and keep you going upstream. Um, uh, and then in my friend circle, you know, it, it like, you know, because of where I went to school and because of, uh, uh where I grew up, I've got a lot of cool folks that, that just did well, you know? So, uh, I had my 40th birthday this past weekend and, I had, you know, I, I know too many lawyers. My wife's a lawyer too. So that oh, is, nice. <laughs> there's, there's that element, but just folks that do cool things, you know, that, that have innovated in some, some part of industry. And when we get together, it's just a fun time talking about life yeah. and not about work. Um, yeah. And there's so much more to, to who we are as people outside of what we do. I think this is the only place, the only country where you ask someone, um, what do you do? And they say, they tell you what their job is. Right. Post, yeah. As opposed to, you know, like, what do you do? Like, wh- wh- who are you? Who are you? Uh, and so, uh, so it's been, it's been a fun journey and I'm, I'm having fun still. And so it's, it's been extraordinarily fulfilling. Well, it's wonderful uh, knowing that there's such a, a young physician out there who's created some extreme diversity in his life, in his business. Um, it makes for a full um, happy life, I'm sure, you know, with some challenges, but you know, uh, when you're stretching yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually throughout your day, every day, and then giving back to people and treating patients, you know, it's got to feel pretty good at the end of the day, knowing that you've, you've made some contribution in the world to, to help, uh, somebody else, not just in doc to doc, but also the patients that you get to treat. So I appreciate you. you for doing that. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Pleasure I hope you'll come back. Yeah, definitely will. I know that my co-founder 
Kenton is planning on being on here. I think generally mm-hmm. for him to be on here uh, soon and um, our, get that uh, woman our, on here too that you're talking head. about. I want to see get, how I she get, rallies. Get Rachel for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let's get Rachel in here. Let's talk right. about how Rachel keeps you guys all organized. You know what? You you guys would get along pretty well because she's got we your kind of personality too. Where's she from? She well, she grew up in Italy. Mm. Um, uh, went to school in New England. So mm-hmm. uh, so she was she's a nurse by training. Did a ton of mission work in conflict mm. zones. So she's a she's the adrenaline junkie that goes toward uh, a genocide. I love it. And uh, works in rural villages and have, she's had guns in her face uh, uh, many times. And now she was a suburban mom life in, uh, in New Hampshire um, with three beautiful girls, but, uh, and, and runs operations for us and now customer engagement, Rachel oh, Allen. Awesome. I'll I get love her it. Well, Rachel and I can talk about Mount Monadnock in New Hampshire, and I will practice my Italian for when I meet with her. The only thing I can say right now is pronto. <laughs> and ciao which seems appropriate right for this conversation good hit her with the weapon when you see her too you know i will <laughs> thanks doc you're very welcome sharon thanks for having me it's a pleasure don't forget to mitigate risk visit 831b.com for more information remember to check out doc to doc the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors.